neighbor. You are listening to the New Garden Church podcast. We're glad you're here. This year, we are walking through the whole Bible together as a church family, day by day and week by week. We meet at 10 a.m. at DuPont Tyler Middle School in Hermitage, Tennessee. You can join us in person or catch our online gatherings by checking out our website at newgarden.church online. We would love to hear from you. We hope that you enjoy what you hear today and check back in with us again soon. Good morning and welcome to week 41 in our series, Long Story Short. Now, if you've been with us, you know we've been taking this year to journey through the entire Bible. That's right. It was only January when we started the book of Genesis, and now we've made it to Jesus in the book of Matthew, and I'm so excited to get there. Now, if you haven't been joining along, you can find our reading plan on our website, newgarden.church/ 2021. We've got book overviews. We've got the Facebook group. We've got the reading plan. This is a great time to jump in. Now, if you were with us last week, we spent some time in the chapters of Matthew 5, 6, and 7, where Jesus gives his large Sermon on the Mount, this long collection of teachings and sayings about what it means to live as people of a kingdom of heaven, under the kingdom of God, this gospel, the good news of the kingdom. And so we got to be challenged and encouraged and hopefully changed into new people as we got to hear Jesus' words. Now, after his sermon, you're going to get a couple chapters, eight, eight, eight and nine, of Jesus interacting with different people, about 10 different cases where Jesus does something or says something amazing. And so what I want to do today is just spend our entire time in chapter nine. So we're going to read through the entire chapter. We're going to see Jesus interact with a number of people. I want you to pay attention to the kind of people that Jesus interacts with. Like, um, you know, they're kind of outcasts of society on the margin, people in need. And Jesus takes time to make sure he meets those needs. He has compassion. You'll read that over and over about Jesus having compassion on people. And then Matthew's going to kind of wrap up this section with a summary statement. And so we will look at all of that this morning, but let's start by reading chapter 9 together. Then the whole town went out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave their region. Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. Some men brought to him a paralytic lying on a mat. Jesus saw their faith. He said to the paralytic, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, This fellow's blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk but so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, Get up. 
Take your mat and go home. And the man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God who had given such authority to men. Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Mm. Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Then John's disciples came and asked him, How is it that we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. Then they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. For the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do men pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst and the wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No. 
they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. While he was saying this, a ruler came and knelt before him and said, My daughter has just died. Come and put your hand on her and she will live. Jesus got up and went with him, and so did his disciples. Just then, a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed from that moment. When Jesus entered the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd, he said, Go away. The girl is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took the girl by the hand. And she got up. of this spread through all that region. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him, and he asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord. They replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith will it be done to you. And their sight was restored. <sighs> Jesus warned them sternly, See that no one knows about this. But 
they went out and spread the news about him all over that region. <laughs> While they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed and could not talk was brought to Jesus. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. The crowd was amazed and said, Nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, It is by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. You talk about not being able to take a breath or take a break. It's like Jesus can't even go and do the thing he wants to do for somebody when somebody else is coming up to like interrupt or to take over the situation, but Jesus continues to see people and have compassion on people and heal them and teach them. In fact, this is how Matthew sums up Jesus' whole ministry. He says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. Now, if you have a key memory, you may think that sounds familiar, because it is. This is exactly the phrase that we read last week, which uh, introduced the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 4. So Jesus is introduced in chapters 1 through 3. He starts his ministry, and Matthew begins Jesus' ministry with these words in 4.23. He says, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. So almost verbatim, Matthew introduces and concludes this whole picture of what Jesus is doing. And what is Jesus teaching about, proclaiming about? He's proclaiming about the gospel of this new kingdom, the good news, the euangelion, which is just a word that was already in use when a new king or a new Caesar or a new ruler would come to power. He would announce his good news. This gospel of peace has arrived. This new king is going to save you. And Jesus comes on the scene and he uses the exact same language as if a new king has come to power. And so what is he doing? He's doing two things. He's teaching and he's proclaiming. And so what comes after chapter four, chapter five, and chapter six, and chapter seven? It's this combination of teaching and preaching. It's, it's information, but it's also an invitation. Here's what the kingdom of God looks like. Here's what life in the kingdom looks like. Now, don't you want to be involved in it? Jesus is calling out, preaching this gospel. And then you get to chapter 8 and 9, and what is Jesus doing? He goes about healing. It's 10 stories of Jesus interacting with people in need and healing. And so what does Matthew do? 
He tells you what he's going to tell you. He tells you, and then he tells you what he just told you. You know, it's like classic English literature here. But he's he's formed this, these stories, in a way to remind us of what Jesus is all about. He is about this new gospel of the kingdom, this new life, this new way of life. And Matthew even uh, goes a step further because in the very beginning, he talks about large crowds from Galilee and the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, the region across the Jordan. They all follow him. He ends it with the same way when he saw the crowds, he saw compassion on them. They're like sheep without a shepherd. And then sandwiched in the middle between these two uh, ideas is the crowd. Again, when Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. So Matthew has arranged this to make a point. This is what Jesus is about. On any day, if you were to follow Jesus around, what would Jesus be up to? He'd probably be teaching people about the kingdom, preaching about the kingdom, and healing people uh, as a way to, to show what life in the kingdom eventually brings. It brings healing and redemption and uh, rest- restoration. And so what Matthew does is he's arranged this, and then he gives us this last story. It's almost like he's, he's reaching a certain point and then kind of putting the ball in our court to give us three examples of people who interact with Jesus their reaction to Jesus, and then it begs the question of where would we be? So this is, this is how Matthew ends this, this whole section. He says, As Jesus went on, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. So news is spread about Jesus' healing. You have these two blind men. They hear Jesus is around. You know, I, I don't know how they know that. But somebody probably tells them they can't see Jesus. And so they call out, and they call him son of David. Now, these are the first guys, the first people in the whole story of the gospel who call Jesus son of David. It's a title, right, that Matthew, again, introduced in verse 1, and now he reminds us. What's interesting is of all the people who have already interacted with Jesus, from uh, tax collectors and sinners and people in need, all the way to the religious leaders who knew the scripture, who were looking for the Messiah, the first people to recognize Jesus as the son of David are blind. It's the blind who first see Jesus for who he is, which I think Matthew is just kind of nodding and laughing, kind of shaking his head. It's like all these people had the opportunity, but it's the blind who first see who Jesus is. And Jesus goes into this house, they follow him, and Jesus asks them a question. Like, do you believe? Like, how is your faith? Do you believe that I can do this? And they respond, yes, we do. And so Jesus says, uh, he, he touches their eyes and he says, according to your faith, let it be done. Jesus also heals a demon-possessed man. And after seeing these miracles that Jesus has done, you have this the character of the crowd. They see Jesus, they recognize his power, his healing, his teaching, and they are amazed. Like their minds are blown by what Jesus is saying and what Jesus is doing. And then you have a third character. you got these Pharisees who see what Jesus is doing. They can't deny what Jesus is doing, right? The miracles are happening right before their face. His teaching is happening right before they face. They can't deny what is happening, and yet they will deny who Jesus is, you know? They say, well, if he's casting out demons, 
he's got to be doing it with demon powers. You know, he can't be the one. And so they are closed minded. So you come to the end of this section and Matthew offers us three characters to connect with. You've got first the two blind men who have this open mind, this, this uh, legitimate faith in who Jesus is. You have the crowd who see and are amazed, like their minds are amazed. And then you have the religious leaders, the Pharisees, who have this closed mind to who Jesus is. And so Matthew kind of lays it before us, right? And we say, who, where are we, right? And we see Jesus interacting with anybody and everybody, from the people who are considered the lowest in their society, even the tax collectors, the sinners, all the way to the religious leaders, the elite of their society. But it's not just about who Jesus will interact with, it's about who will interact with Jesus and people's response to Jesus. Jesus asks these blind men a question before he heals them, like, do you believe? And they say yes. And he says, okay, based on your faith, you know, let it be done. And so there's some correlation between our openness to Jesus and what he can do in our lives. So our kids are very artistic and uh, they love to draw, they love to paint, they love to build, they love to do all these things. But even though Evie, she loves to draw, sometimes there's things that she just struggles with, you know, different shapes and stuff. And so she'll bring us a piece of paper and uh, it, maybe it'll already have some drawings on it. And she'll like, I need you to draw a heart. And so we're like, okay, we can draw, I can draw a heart. And so I, I draw a heart and then she's just like, breaks down. She's like so mad. She's so sad. She's like, not there or that's too big or that's too small or that's not the right color or not the right place. And like, she just loses it. Right. And so we're like, okay, you know, like I'll try and like draw it bigger or put, whoa, we'll move it over here, you know? And, and she just, she can't accept what we are offering her. And sometimes I think that's how we interact with God. Like we have a certain vision of what we want God to do in our lives and what we want God to perform for us. And if he doesn't do it exactly how we want, it's like we're going to completely write him off. And sometimes God, he's not going to be a jerk about it. He's not going to take the paper from us and like, no, you're doing it wrong. Let me do it for you. He's going to meet us where we are. And we see this throughout the gospels. Like Jesus offers himself to people and some people reject him and he says, listen, that's your choice. I'm not going to force myself on you. Other people, they just stand amazed. Like they recognize who Jesus is. Maybe they even believe who Jesus is, but it doesn't change anything about the way that they live their life. And then you have other people who see Jesus who are open to Jesus and who just allow Jesus's ethic and kingdom life to overtake them. And they are followers of Jesus. And so we ask the question, okay, which one are we? Are we open-minded to Jesus? Are we amazed, but it hasn't affected us or are we closed-minded? And so one of the ways we can tell that is, are we following Jesus? How do we know? Well, are we listening to his teaching and applying it? You know, he just spent three chapters telling us about how to live our lives, how to, to, to use our money, how to resolve conflict with people, how to live lives of, of intimacy and holiness. Like, are, are we applying his teachings to our lives? Are we followers or are we just amazed at his teaching? And so today, I don't know where you are. I don't know if you, if you have a story where you've been open and you can see how God is working in your lives. Maybe you've heard the story, you're amazed, but you can't tell any difference. Or maybe you've, you know, the church is full of just closed-minded people. 
who think Jesus is wrong and they are right. And so uh, my prayer today is as we go to the table that the Holy Spirit will convict you wherever you are to continue that journey a step further of following Jesus because he's made himself available to us and he meets us today at the table. That's it for this time. Thank you for checking in with us and we'll be back with another episode again next week.